even better music than last week, even better music than last week for episode two of The Feminine Critique. With <laughs> that rhymed. I, and I just made it up on the spot. That right should there. be our theme song. Right Somebody there. record I that. I did, not, I did not plan that ahead of time. I'm just that gifted at rapping. You know why? I'll tell you why. <laughs> it's because you know what I have on the background right now on mute? Do you have Leprechaun in the Hood? I have Leprechaun oh. Back to the Hood, actually. Oh, Back to the Hood. I'm it's so sorry. It's cool to Leprechaun in the Hood. So Part, pardon the, me. Yeah, it's the sixth film in the series, but also the second, if you're going on that, like, slit chronology. If memory serves, I think I like this one better than the first Hood movie. <laughs> Watching it on mute doesn't tell me much. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wonder how much you like it if you can't hear it. Well... I don't know. There was a good Lucky Charms line already. So, I mean, how many of those can you cram into a Leprechaun movie? Usually two, uh, which is probably both in here. Uh, welcome to the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Christine, and we're here to talk about a double feature: Leprechaun. Um, and Leprechaun. Leprechaun and the... <laughs> I didn't know she we sprung this on me. I hadn't we're watched it first and last. Uh, and if, and because we're all anticipating the new one, which is produced by WWE Films. Oh, well, I can't wait. Did you know that was happening? <laughs> oh, I had no idea. I don't yeah. keep up on Leprechaun films, unfortunately. How can, it's, it's hard not to when it is WWE <laughs> producing it, because I don't know what's going to happen there, but I'm really excited. Is, um, like, somebody going to be in it? Like I have no idea. I don't think there are any really small wrestlers anymore. They usually don't make it big. Oh, you mean, like, small? No, like in like literal snatch. And, and Irish and leprechaun like. So, listeners, let us know if there's any leprechaun wrestling. If, if you have the, the scoop on leprechaun the reboot inning, then please, please. I'm sure we. The feminine critique at yahoo.com. Sure, we could Google it ourselves. Yeah, but that's too much work and we don't want to slow our internet down. <laughs> I can't have anything affect the recording. I'm not that good at this. Understood. Okay, so we are here this week to discuss two films. Uh, yes. Before we get into those films, we're going to talk about some other things. But first, let's let you know so you know what you're getting into. Uh, Christine, you picked the first film this week. What is it? Um, I picked. Wait, I picked the first film. Well, you picked the film. No, it's the second film we're going to cover. But okay. It was the Super film, confused. Uh, but you were the one who picked this film. And I picked. I, I picked a film, and the film that I picked. <laughs> the to, film that I don't like to lie about anything here. So we want no, to be very yes, honest. I just want to make sure we're all clear. Right. The film that I picked um, is. Body Double from 1984, directed by one Brian De Palma. I've heard something about that guy somewhere. Uh, somewhere. Uh, and I matched it up with 1965's The Collector, uh, directed by William Wyler. Hmm. Before we get there. Yes. Did you just message me on, on Skype or did somebody else? That was not me. That was not you? Then I don't Ever, care. Whoever just messaged Emily on Skype, please stop it. We're in the middle of a show. <laughs> it could ruin everything. Um, okay, but before we do that, uh, what have you been watching as of late? I'm going to try to keep this as brief as possible, but I've actually been watching a lot, and I'm very impressed with myself because it's usually not, I usually don't have this much um, in my, at least stuff that I haven't seen before, okay. I guess. Okay, um, give me some. Last week, I went and saw Cloud Atlas. Oh, okay. What is it? It is a movie. Are you sure? Because I'm yes. because based on what people are saying, it doesn't seem to be clear. Oh, it's it's very long. Mm. Um, it's three hours. Um, I liked it a lot, actually. Okay. Uh, it it it's it's 
you know, it takes place in, I, I'm just saying this, I don't know if it's entirely sure, true, it takes place in six different time periods. Okay. I think it's six. If it's not six, it's like five or something. But it's, the whole thing is like, the same actors play different characters in each time. Mm. And, you know, the, 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 the big idea is like, what you do in one lifetime directly affects what's going to happen. So the fact that Halle Berry hit somebody with her car and drove away, that's going to affect her next life. Wait, when did she hit somebody? Like, oh, in real life? Yeah, in real life, a couple years ago. <laughs> I didn't realize. She hit somebody and was like, oh, fuck this, I'm Halle Berry, I can drive away, and they, they I think, don't do anything to me. And I think next time. Yeah, I think next time something bad's going to happen to I've seen, I've seen. Just, just be clear on that. I, I know people are really torn and on this one. I believe I really liked it, but it's something that you kind of have to see twice because there is so much going on, and there is never a pause for you to take anything in. It's like a constant go, 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 switch in time period, switch in time period that you can't absorb anything. And that was- I'm intrigued just because it seems so ambitious and I respect that. Oh, definitely ambitious. It, it, that's the only problem I had when, um, when I left the theater, I had said, I, it's almost like if somebody tried to put all six seasons of Lost into three hours. It, okay, okay. Like, you, it's not possible. Why you know, are you and, telling me this? Yeah. <laughs> Why did you just yell at because me? Because that's my go-to whenever, whenever Lost oh. is brought up. That's what I have to shout because it's shouted on every episode of Lost. Why are you telling me this? Yeah. Yes, I understood. That's my go-to when when Lost comes up. It's it's like a uh, what's the word Pavlovian reaction, re re a reflex to yes, just I, shout. I can't control I, it. It just comes. I would have yelled. We have to go back. That's another one, but that that takes time to get to. Whereas why are you telling me this is like from the pilot. From people the beginning, are telling people stuff that they are you know, that with uh, confusing motives. They just don't want to know about it. Exactly. So when when and if you see Cloud Atlas, you have to let me know what you think. I, I will. I probably won't see it in the theater because I'm lazy and theaters are far away from me. Oh, um, it's, it's a big commitment. It's, I mean, it's three yeah, hours. And the fact that it's a three-hour movie plus add-in. Plus you know, trailers. Plus, yeah, it's plus, it was a it was an event. Yeah, 20 minutes of getting there early to get the seat with the bar in front of me so I can put my feet up and so on. Makes that like a five-hour day, which um, generally I, I reserve for other things like watching <laughs> Four movies in a row four. of, of exactly. I know. movies. So, but yes, if I see it, I will tell you. Yes. Um, I also saw Magic Mike. What, did you like it? No. Really? Um, I, I'm in such a fight with Steven Soderbergh. Was it because of Cuntface, the, the really annoying girl who's angry at no. everything in the movie? Because I hated her. Everybody says that. No, it's, it's the fact that it started out as this awesome, fun yeah male stripper movie and then it and it devolved into this cliche ridiculous story where basically Steven Soderbergh just threw Channing Tatum out there to flop around and he didn't he I mean I felt so bad for the guy like he clearly was just out there like uh, stutter 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 uh, and I and I love him and I just he's enunciating much better than he used to though I know but there's one point in it where I was like this is like and I thought of you I was like this is like a really sexy step up <laughs> because it really was. He was like getting down, step up style, and I loved it. Well, the, the funny, I have a very complicated relationship with Channing Tatum because when I had never seen him in anything, and then like two years ago, Erica and I, my Glee, yeah, Glee cast co hostess, Glee, Glee Coast, my Glee Coast, my, my Glee Coastess, yes, uh, patented. Uh, we decided to do a step, do a, an episode on the Step Up trilogy because we knew that it had a connection to Glee. Because there's one actor who we knew was in the second. Who I thought he was in all three films. He was in the second and third film. But so, like, we're all excited about it. We were watching him separately. So I, I queue up Step Up, and I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, good, a dumb dance movie. 
And I was like, fuck, I have to watch two more of these because Step Up is terrible. It is No, boring. Step Up is amazing, is what you meant no, to say. the dancing is not exciting in the least. It randomly has this really dark turn where a little kid dies for no reason. Listeners, this is opposite day, and Emily is saying the opposite of everything that's true right now. When we get to Step Up 2 and 3, uh, I will say amazing. No, 2 is fantastic. 2 and 3 are great. Two is my favorite. That Erica's favorite was two, too. I really like three because it's mostly absurd. In two, it's like Channing shows up to be like, hey, I'm not in this movie anymore. And he just leaves. He has like one like supportive brother scene and then he's gone. He's just like, bye. And then three, he's not mentioned ever again. But in one, the thing I really hated about one is he is terrible in the movie. Like acting wise? Yes. He yeah. can't open up. He doesn't open up his mouth to speak. So as a result, the entire movie I was watching, I was like, what are you saying? I don't understand. And I mean, not like it was that hard to follow because it's a step up movie. But still, I couldn't understand a word he said. And so I've always had this chip on my shoulder about Channing Tatum. And I feel like he, the step up movies are better than he is. And they got better the less he was in them, which is why three was my favorite. And I haven't seen four yet. Um, but... So going into Magic Mike, I really didn't have a desire. I was, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, a fun movie. Let's see. I get to see Matthew McConaughey with assless chaps on. That'll be fun. Um, but I was really surprised by how much I liked Channing Tatum. And I don't think he's a great actor, but I think he's grown into his screen presence. And I think mm-hmm. now he's likable on screen. And I was happy to watch did him you for s- hours. Did you see 21 Jump Street? Not yet, no. Okay, he's he's hysterical in that. That's he's wonderful in that. Yeah, I have and- that. And even in even though he's not really in it that much in Haywire, I I, I adored him. In Haywire, yeah. But this, I I felt like like Steven Soderbergh let him down, and people 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 can say what they want if they if they don't agree with that, that's fine because I know there are rabid Soderbergh fans. But I really felt like he did a disservice to his actors. It's just it's a weird tone of a film because it's I mean it. It just isn't the film in part that it was marketed as, and that was a big mm-hmm. issue, I know. No, exactly. It, it is sold as, hey, it's a fun male stripper movies, bring your girlfriends, bachelorette party to this movie, but it just gets really dark and unnecessarily so. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it, yeah, it has a weird tone to it, and it's a strange one, but I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I feel like, because they've talked about doing sequels, and I wouldn't be surprised if the sequels go for the fluffy route, and I think that would be fine. Yeah, but and it wasn't even if it had been like a tragic story, then I could have gotten behind yeah, that. Also, right. it was it's just not, it's like ah, eh, the brother's kind of a burnout loser, and he's yeah. screwing everybody around him, and now the movie's gonna end. Yeah, and spoiler alert: the movie ends. Yeah. Ooh, yes. <laughs> um, and the last thing I will mention that I had that I saw, and I'm so mad it took me this long to see it, was 2008's Wanted. I still haven't seen it. Holy shit. I have heard really good things about it. I believe that I tweeted, the exact thing that I tweeted was, I want to lay this movie down and make sweet love to it. <laughs> it It is amazing. I adored it. It is so fun and just so stupid in some points, but just just really amazing. And it, it I love James McAvoy. It's official. He can well, do no We're going to get to see some of him next week, but we'll get Oh, spoiler alert. We'll get spoiler alert. Let's I know. I'm very excited, but I, if people have been not, I know um, it's probably not for everybody, but um, if people have been putting off seeing it, I definitely think it's worth seeing. Who the heck is that? Um, the dude who did, um, what's that? Those movies? Oh, um, yes, Night, Night Watch and Day Watch. I'm, okay, so, I'm such a jerk. Oh, both awesome. And you can, 
the style is definitely there. It's definitely toned down also, mm-hmm. but that, that signature distinct style he had is definitely there. Um, I can't say his name, so I'm not even going to try. Something but, very Russian. Yeah, we, we actually saw um, at one of the Comic-Cons, I guess it would be like 2008 Comic-Con, um, a panel for that movie with him there, and, and I saw footage from it. I'm like, yeah, I should see that movie. Fast forward four years, still hadn't seen it. So, But it's definitely worth it. I'm glad it had a happy ending. That did. story. I don't know about the movie. Oh, I guess the movie it kind of did. Spoiler alert. So is that all you've got? Uh, yeah. Go for it. You go. I'll see these. Um, I watched because it was expiring on Instant Watch, and I don't quite remember why I put it on there, but I did. I watched Disclosure with Michael yeah. Douglas and Demi Moore. Oh, absolutely. You should be watching oh, that. I should. Um, it, I think it was after I watched Basic Instinct, it came up as one of those recommendations. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to see this. It... I said, what I said was, I want Silva and Gold to watch this, because it's the kind of movie I feel like they will get a lot of mileage out of. It's so ridiculous. It's a very, it's so 90s and very corporate 90s, where it's all about getting promotions in the corporate world. And well, it's like a corporate thriller, right? Yeah, and it's, yeah. And it's kind of the weird thing, another mismarketed film, because it was very much sold as the really sexy sexual harassment movie, where Demi Moore yes. sexually harasses Michael Douglas. But it, that's actually a very, like, half of it. That The rest of it is much more corporate wheelings and dealings. And the sexual harassment is actually not the, the main thrust of the film. <laughs> uh, but the thing about it that's just ridiculous is just how it sees women. Is, you know, they're either dull wives and secretaries or they're power-hungry, awful Demi Moores who are <laughs> just so over the top in being, like, seductive, power-hungry, but also really incompetent, because mm-hmm. that's one of the big things we find out, is Demi Moore is terrible at her job, uh, but of course can get really far for being conniving, because she's a corporate woman. So it's one of those all-women-are-bitches movies, but it's really hilarious. Um, I also watched uh, my Hurricane movie. I was really excited. Be- not, not for the Hurricane, because obviously that was very bad. But for, as I, I know I said before, I like I, what I like to do when I move into a new apartment is I like to have that you know, oh, I'm alone in my apartment. I'm gonna, I'm in a new place. I'm gonna watch a scary movie that I haven't seen before. <laughs> and now, because there was a hurricane separating, my boyfriend wasn't here. He was stuck in Jersey with no power. I was here with fine power. Uh, everything was great up in my new neighborhood. But so I sit down. There's wind at my windows. I'm like, I'm gonna watch this movie that everybody's been talking about called Beyond the Black Rainbow. It's on Instant Watch. This is exciting. I know. I saw it. Come on, Instant Watch. Yeah. And I'm watching it, and I'm, tr- I'm really wanting to be excited by this movie. And about an hour into it, my power flickers off. And I'm thinking, that's a sign. I'm not supposed to. I, I'm going to turn this off for the night, because I'm done. It's not working on me. And it just didn't. I did finish it. I, I kind of do recommend it, because it's something really different. I think people should see it. I think they should see it. I kind of hated it, but I will see what this guy does next because I am very intrigued. As a first feature, it's remarkable. I just did not connect to it in the least, but I have a hard time saying it's a bad movie because it's not a bad movie. No, it's, it's, a, it's a really different film that's a very deliberate, unique style that did nothing for me personally, but I recommend people check it out and make up their own opinions on it. It freaked me out quite a bit. I wanted it to. I really wanted it to. There was a fucking hurricane outside my window. Yeah, it just blowing in, and I, it disturbed me quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, it's it's haunting. It's different, but it just did nothing. It was. 
I don't know. I just could not connect to it. Um, I watched a really terrible uh, Netflix instant movie called Junkyard Dog, which is about a serial killer cannibal rapist who uh, serial killing rapes and cannibalizes young women. Yes. Uh, and so he like kidnaps a woman. He has her in his basement. Yada, da, da. And then, um, thankfully, Vivica A. Fox plays the sassy, tough FBI agent, who is thankfully. the worst FBI agent I have ever seen in a movie ever. She instantly gets caught by the guy, is immediately, like, tied up next to the girl. Wait, and, what year is this? Oh, 2008, 2009. Oh, Brad Dourif has a small part as a town sheriff. I think he just was, like, on his lunch break from, from filming Halloween and Halloween 2. He just walked over like, to the set. onto another set, and they're like, Brad, can you come here and just say this line for me? Sure, okay. Can you can you buy my, my dinner? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hand him a 20. Exactly. Thanks. And that was that. But it's it is about the most incompetent uh, FBI agent I've ever seen, uh, and so it's it's awful and stupid and not fun because there's a lot of rape in it. But it also is really fun because it's Vivica A. Fox being awful. Um, so that was good, uh, not good, but but it was good. Um, <laughs> I'm then, getting conflicting messages. No, what can I say? It's it's a it's a pseudo recommend if you want to watch something really shitty that has a weird entertainment value. It I would sounds, like, watch this sounds like something Dylan would like. <laughs> I think Dylan might like it. No, there's a great scene where Vivica A. Fox walks, because it's all set somewhere in the South, and Vivica A. Fox walks into, like, this honky-tonk bar where they're, like, the movie's, like, it, first of all, there's a rape montage, and then we cut oh. to country line dancing in this honky-tonk bar, and Vivica A. Fox walks into the country line dancing honky-tonk bar, and walks in and just, like, immediately is like, turn off the music! Who's seen this girl? And he's looking around trying to, and she's holding this like tiny little wallet sized photo, like on a stage, and nobody's answering because they probably can't see the fucking photo. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then she's just like, look, I'm not looking for no redneck meth dealing moonshiner. I just want to find this girl. It's like, lady, you just walked in, interrupted their country line dancing, and insulted these people. Why don't you just ask nicely? Uh, so it's hilarious for all of those reasons and more. Um, I mean, the rape montage isn't fun. But the cannibalism is kind of hilarious. Hmm. Um, so there's so rape thumbs down cannibalism. Rape thumbs down cannibalism. Thumbs up. Vivica A. Fox being not good. Huge two thumbs up. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so Blair Witch, another instant watch. I watched the Blair Witch two. The Book of Shadows, one or whatever Shadows. it's called. Yeah. Because I hadn't watched it in a long time, and I was kind of I watched most of it at the gym. I watched it and then watched the rest of it at the gym. Um, cause I just hadn't seen it in a while. I was kind of curious to revisit it. It's still a really shitty movie, but you have to admire how they could have made a really lazy movie and they tried something different and you can tell it was just embroiled with director wanting to do one thing and studio wanting to do the other. Mm -hmm. And the result is just a total mess, but it's an interesting mess. So that was- I still, I still haven't seen it. Oh, it's on Instant Watch. You should, I don't know, yeah. queue it up. It's, it going into it, knowing that it's considered a really- failed experiment will yeah. make it more enjoyable just because if you'd seen it after Blair Witch I think you just would have been very confused but they really do try and it almost works better today with the way a lot of found footage films and even like when you have with kind of like some not the big budget ones but a lot of independent film today that is found footage it's very meta and Blair Witch 2 is very meta annoyingly so and not in as a clever a way as it thinks it is but it tried and it tried at a time when when it didn't have to so i think it's mm -hmm. for that reason uh and last i watched rec three. Oh, what'd you think i enjoyed it a lot it's if you go again 
I knew going into it that it was different from the first two and that it, mm -hmm. a lot of people had issues with some of the changes. Um, and it is more a companion to the first two rec films than a threequel in a way, because it's not continuing. It's continuing the plague story, but it's kind of a separate timeline. And the, the big difference, too, is that it's funny. It is almost pure horror comedy. And which I wasn't, I knew it was, people had said, oh, it's kind of funny, but it is more on, in line with, like, Evil Dead 2 than Wreck. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, I found it really enjoyable. And it, you know, it's not a game changer, but it's a, it's a fun 80 minutes, I thought. And the shaky cam doesn't last the whole film. Oh, that's kind of good. Uh, there's, there's a weird choice with found footage, not found footage, that doesn't make any sense. But I was okay with it because it meant I didn't have a headache watching a movie. So yeah, I was fine with that. But I, I think it. I think maybe um, filmmakers are starting to be like, well, I don't think people are going to mind if we <laughs> if we if we just have... switch it up. Yeah, maybe they won't even notice. Well, didn't District Nine do that? Um, it does, gosh, right? the I think like I know. Five minutes of District Nine are all the documentary. But but when when the action really picks up it's at the towards the end, it just it seems like if memory serves, it, it it's shot. Like, just like any other, like, action type. Exactly. So, and I remember thinking, having the same feelings I had with Rec 3, which is, narratively, this is a, this is cheating, because there's no reason for you to have switched if you, like, at this point, why'd you even make the first half the way you did? But at the same time, I'm totally cool with it, because I want to see things. I don't want mm -hmm. to see shaking. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, now that was all for me. I believe you have some coffee talk you have to let off of your chest. <laughs> this is it's not timely anymore because we we missed a week recording but it's still kind of timely um and i don't know if you caught the conversation that i i tried to stir up on twitter because i felt very conflicted about this very much so probably not Prob so this is all fresh for you um so there is a website out there that i actually really like that i frequent quite a bit called topless robot i don't know if you're familiar I'm with not. it it's kind of like a i hate to use the term geek culture like mm website it's you know it, it deals in movies tv toys anything that's kind of in that that genre it doesn't okay. really matter okay. but they um at the beginning of this month they had put up a post um called 10 tv geeks that give geeks a bad name oh okay so if you want to see the full list just google topless robot like geek list it's super easy to find um so whatever like i don't really like that term mm -hmm. like like joey gladstone is on the list who's that Joey? Like, from Full House? Oh, okay. Yeah, like, okay, so fine. And the Big Bang Theory dude is on there, which I tend to agree with. I don't like that show. I, That's, I don't care for it. But then I'm scrolling through, and number five is Liz Lemon. What? And not only is she apparently giving geeks a bad name, which I, I would just beg to differ. inherently don't agree with, but also in it... It says, where is the quote? Uh, not only is she awkward around guys, she eats nothing but junk food, and she's kind of a terrible person in general. I don't know if I've ever felt that to be the case. I've watched every episode of that television show, and I have never been like, oh, this is a terrible person. Yeah, I... I don't... I don't agree with any of those things either, because I'm, I'm not as big a 30 Rock fan as you are. But I enjoy it. I think this season has been great, actually. Yeah, I, I like this I, I think they've, they've figured out, they're like, oh, we're ending. Let's really make everything count. Um, but I think, I mean, I like that Liz isn't a perfect, nice person. Because that would be boring. And that would be a very easy route to make. And I think that's how they started it. They started it with, 
everybody around Liz, except for Pete, is a kind of terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the moral center. And I like that they've gotten away from that because it's more interesting. But it's not... Like, what has she ever done maliciously? Nothing. No, I mean... No, no more than anybody else yeah. on that. I mean, of course that show exists in like... It exists in this this kind of it, vacuum of it, reality. It's exactly. Like, it's it not, is very much a cartoon reality as a cartoon. It's it's not a traditional reality by any means. But this this is a this is a, a woman that like I, I just I just don't I understand because I get annoyed by the like geek girl culture that sometimes <laughs> ends up being a little insulting. Mm-hmm. But I don't But that's not what she does at that's all. That's not what she does at all because she backs it up. She's an intelligent person who just happens to be funny and have the And she's the only woman on the list. I'm yes. trying to think of a one that I would name on there, but I, I'm blanking. But just the whole like this is this is a woman that like sings night cheese and talks about reading MythBusters fan fiction. Right. Like she's funny, and it's not like negative thing. It's it's not like these broad like like I really like the comic books and right. like she doesn't like it's written just to build the stereotypical character. I feel like there's a deeper understanding of what what she does that's quote unquote. Mm-hmm geeky i don't know I, re- I read that and everybody that responded to me was just like i don't understand what what they mean so i don't know if somebody if somebody agrees that she's a terrible person then i guess it's all you know opinions we'll come talk about it on her facebook group have that yeah yeah um i'm on your i'm on your team on that i just thought it was weird yeah i agree <laughs> uh all right so now should we move on to our first film Sure. So even though, as we as we controversially chose the first film to be Body Double, but we're going to cover them in a reverse order. We're just going to go chronologically with 1965's The Collector. The Collector. The Collector. <laughs> uh, I'll give a quick background, and then I would like you to summarize the film. Or I'll go through yeah. quick why I picked it. This is um directed by William Wyler. William Wyler, uh, you, might, you might have heard of him. He directed a little film called Ben-Hur. What? Ben-Who? Yeah. Ben who? Ben her. Uh, ben her? I hardly know her. Uh, <laughs> no. Hey, no. I don't know. Uh, famously, he turned down. He was offered to direct The Sound of Music, but oh, I did not know he, this. Instead, he chose to direct The Collector, which is kind of wonderful on its own. Uh, based on a novel that had just come out two years prior, 1963's The Collector by John Fowles. I saw this movie. Um, I found out about this movie from one of these cult movie books I was going through and seeing what I hadn't seen in it. And this turned up as a film, that very underrated kind of genre film that gets overlooked. Um, so I rented it, I watched it, um, this was a couple years ago, was really taken by it, then sought out the novel, and I loved the novel. Um, and then I have not seen it since then, that was probably about two years ago that I read the book, so I wanted to rewatch it with the book, and it fit in with Body Double. So that's my background on it. Um, Christine, what happens in The Collector? What's it about? And um, I really hope you didn't watch the, um, torture porn one about the exterminator that came out a few years ago, because that's the wrong movie. I wish I could come up with a funny joke for that, but I can't, and I didn't watch that one. That's good. <laughs> I didn't have a good joke, but, uh, The Collector, which I knew nothing about going in, okay. um... I had never really even heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is about a man that kidnaps a woman that he has basically been stalking mm-hmm. and keeps her in his basement in hopes that she will eventually fall in love with him. 
It is, and it has my, which fits into its tagline on its poster, which is one of my favorite taglines. And the tagline is, The Collector, almost a love story. Yes. Yeah. Almost. 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 Not yeah. quite. Spoiler what? alert. Not quite a love story. Mm, well, it depends. Perhaps it does. <laughs> uh, so we have so, uh, a young Terrence Stamp. Oh, the <laughs> youngest I've ever seen Terrence he's Stamp. Young. I mean, he's got Can, like jet black hair. I, I, for a second, I was like, is that Terrence Stamp? Because mm -hmm. I knew he was in this movie, and I was like, maybe he shows up later. And then you realize there are essentially two actors in this movie there are, with, like, yes. you know, one, two other people who have lines, and they have about two lines each. Mm -hmm. yeah, this is a two-man show, and it it was also turned into a stage play, which makes perfect sense because you can do it. Oh, absolutely. And you can completely cut out everything else and just do this as a two-man show. Um, the One of the things I, one of the reasons I really wanted to recommend it was because I, like you'd said, you'd never heard of it. And I think, I think this film is really influential. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? Like, yes. what other movies did you think of when you were watching um, this? What, um, I'm going to say... Anytime anybody ever mm -hmm. kidnaps and tries to convince anybody of anything, yep. because this is this is in 1965. Yep. The book you said was written in 63. Mm -hmm. um, what else before this was there? Such like a like an intense base. Like you said, it's one person that kidnaps one person, and it's just them. Yeah. So what else could I mean? This I feel like is the one that starts all those tropes, mm -hmm. like the you know. Uh, pl like play along just a little bit and yeah. it's it's in 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 to jump way way forward um the character of Miranda really utilizes sexuality mm -hmm. to try to get her way in and that i mean how often does that come up in film yeah. how does, often does that come up in, in anything and because this is 65 i can't imagine that yeah. that there are that many films in the 50s in the late 50s that right. a woman would well, but been that, that even could have because you exactly were, i guess you were just after the Hayes code by this point, I think Hayes Code kind of ended with Psycho, I believe, was kind of right mm -hmm. around the time. It just kind of got washed away. But yeah, so prior to this, for that good chunk of from 1930 to 1960, there were a lot of things you couldn't do that this movie does. And even <laughs> there's like a quote on, I can't remember if it was Wikipedia or on uh, IMDb, but Samantha Egger said that like they were shocked that this got by the censors. Not necessarily because of content, but because of, and we're, we won't, we're, we'll try not to spoil it, but there is something about the nature of the ending should not have gotten past censors for very Hayes code reasons. But mm -hmm. the theory mm -hmm. was that they thought the censor fell asleep during the film. And that's why he let it go by. Cause he just was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Well, this is, this is a very slow moving, yeah. especially at the beginning because there is, um, I meant to time it, but it, it's gotta be like almost 10 minutes without any dialogue. Very really? Little. I think he, very little. Like he, kind of he narrates narration. at the beginning. Yeah. And then it's just, him stalking this woman. You get yep. the point of views of him in the car, just driving around. You see what he sees. And then all of a sudden, kidnapper, and mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. we're here. Yeah, well, apparently there was, like, a 30-minute prologue that ended up getting cut. That was all about... That was still, I think, him stalking her and seeing a little more of her life. Mm -hmm. um, well, this is also a two-hour-long movie, so really? I'm kind of okay. happy that there yeah. wasn't a... Yeah, and this time, I, I don't remember, this time it didn't drag for me just because I was watching it and also taking notes, and so I think if I was just sitting here watching it, it might have dragged, because, I mean, it is, it's still a 1965, you know, there's not, 
uh, Miranda isn't cooking human meat for her kidnapper, like in Junkyard Dog. So, <laughs> you know, you don't have that. It, it is a slow character-based movie. It is. Yeah. The thing I love about it, which you hit on already, is Miranda is played by Samantha Egger, who I think most of us would know from The Brood. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I meant to check and see what else I, but that's immediately what I yeah, thought. That's, I think that's, I mean, she was, she did a lot, she actually was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Oh, was she really? Yeah, I mean, Good she was her. a very respected actress, and I think she's still alive, actually. Um, but what I love about Miranda is she tries everything mm-hmm. to figure this man out and to figure out what he wants from her and how she can give it to him or hold it from him and get out of there. Yeah, she's still acting. The entire... She is still acting. Oh, good. Um, <sighs> the entire film, she tries, and you could see her watching him and trying to pick up on what it is that um, that maybe maybe he's... Maybe it's sex. Maybe not. Maybe it's that she just wants to talk to her. Okay, maybe she'll try that. Maybe he really wants to... He wa- wants her to be pleased, so maybe she'll be pleased. And she's smart, too. She tries a couple of escape methods that are pretty clever. Um, uh, but whether... Yeah, she tries, not, she tries every escape yep. method. In, That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she hits everything. So it can't... It, this, this has to be the, 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 you know, the origins of so much of that. I can't think off the top of my head. But what I did want to bring up, and I know this, this predates it, this did feel a lot like Peeping Tom to me. I don't know mm-hmm. if... It, not... Kind of not really, just, I guess, with the, um... Well, it's it, similar, I get, um, the villain has a similar temperament. Yeah, I guess, I think, in in because of that temperament, for both films, I felt very conflicted. Right. I, so, I have, I don't know if that I should have, and maybe I should have just immediately count them both as villains, but in, I could not um, think of Terrence Stamp as a bad guy in well, this. Um, I don't, do you have a crush on Terrence Stamp? Because I, I have seen Superman 2. I know you have. And 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 I'm just going to say this and think of it what you will, but there were moments in this movie where he looked so much like Michael Fassbender, it freaked me out. <laughs> Especially when he took his pants off and you saw how big his penis was. No, that does not happen. <laughs> I had to try. At all. Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's a very good looking man. He's so handsome. Almost, you could almost argue that he's a little miscast in this. Just in the sense that the character, you kind of feel like the character should be a little less attractive. The character shouldn't be attractive. He should be very unassuming, somebody you don't notice. He has followed her on a bus every day for years, and she never noticed him. And But I think he's a good enough actor that he pulls he, it off. He awards he it up quite a bit. Yeah. He is an awkward man. He's the guy that <laughs> if you worked with, maybe on that first day of work, you'd be like, oh, who's that cute guy working in reception? And then by the second day, you're like, ooh, so what's oh, he's what, what so he He's so him? creepy. What is he off about him? Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think he pulls through and gives a, 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 a good enough performance that it kind of overcomes his movie star looks. Mm-hmm. It's, that's true. And I feel like at some points, he's really good at pulling it in mm-hmm. and, like, and, and aw- like making himself seem really awkward. And that's, aw- that is also, I think, what all, he also shares with Peeping Tom. Because Peeping Tom is a similar thing. The hero of Peeping Tom is a very good, if mm-hmm. you just looked at him, good-looking guy, looks normal. You can say that about Psycho, too. You, yeah, absolutely. And apparently, like, Norman, I think, 
Anthony Perkins was even like in the running for the role, like his name came up and it, again, you could totally see it, but it's the, and the thing is that he is a, a bad man, but he is not, it's, I mean, th- this comes out fairly quickly in the movie. He is not putting her down here to rape her. Mm-hmm. And that actually becomes a big issue for both because then she eventually realizes, ah, I don't like my sexuality just maybe he doesn't like that's not going to help me here. She can't use that. Yeah, yeah, because he is disgusted by it. He is obsessed with her and their first meeting together where he kind of basically he's kidnapped her, he's chloroformed her, hidden her in this lair. Uh, and she notices it's stocked with books that she reads and clothes that fit her. So she's just, what? who is this man? How does he know me? And he comes down and basically says, I know, I, I love you and I just want you to be happy. And she says, look, if, if you're caught, you would go to jail. And he's like, I would go to jail forever because I love you. And she has never met this man in her life. She didn't know he existed. And the place that it puts her in for this whole movie, I think, is so good. And I think Samantha Egger is so good in this at being so on edge of what do I do, but trying to trying to work her way out of it the whole time. Mm-hmm. But just when you sit back and think what it must be like to be in this situation, I think she really pulls it off of showing everything about that. Um, the, let's see what else. Uh, he has a pretty nice lair for her setup, if I do say so. I, see, and this is, and I know this sounds so ridiculous, but this is why I was like, I'm like, he really, he gives a shit about her. He really does. And all his... In all his twisted, you know, ways, he really did. And when that moment when he, because very early on, he says, he tells her that he loves her. Mm-hmm. And he even says, I didn't want to say that. I told myself I wasn't going to say that I love you. But it, it catches her off guard because it does come out very genuine. Mm-hmm. And because I, I really think he he thinks he loves her. Yeah. Or well, he loves her in his way. It's the, the book is, what's interesting about the book, which I, I recommend, the book is a very good read. The book is set up where it's essentially him first person narrating for the first half, and then it's her keeping a diary for the second Ooh, half. Ooh, that's interesting. So it is great, because you have very stream of conscious, and it's very much, it's much more, it comes out a little bit in the film, but not as much. The book is a very much about the differences in class, because <laughs> she is kind, you know, her parents are, I think, like, are wealthy enough where they're sending her to art school. And he, you get the sense, is working class, uneducated, and he happens to have won a lot of money. But that, for him, that is a huge issue because he feels, and you can tell he feels he's not good enough for her, but yet he's going to make her see that he is. Yeah. Um, but that's, there's that really awkward moment where um, uh, they, she's reading Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. I, I was hoping you were going to bring oh, yeah, this up. And he, and he he eventually reads it. And it's just this chip he has of, of, oh, you know, whatever I say about this, you're not going to, you would never listen to, you wouldn't talk to me with your friends about this book. I'm not as good as your friends. And so he, she, he kind of tricks her into talking about the book and he gives his opinion. And as soon, no matter what she says, he's going to point at her and say, oh, you're, you're treating me like, like I'm not worth talking to about this. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she kind of says, oh, you brought up a point that I didn't realize. And he just, and even if she had said, oh, you're totally right, you get the feeling that no answer she gave would have. No, because when she, when she did agree with mm-hmm. what he said, what she, she's like, oh, I never thought of it like that. 
you might be right. He was basically like, you're lying to me. If you really cared about this book and you really had all these opinions about this book, you wouldn't agree with me right away, which is awesome. Yeah, it's, there's no way to win. <laughs> no, she, that, and from the beginning, and in, in actually at the end, there's no way she can ever win this. And I think that's what's so interesting. Like, I never felt like she had any hope. I don't know, maybe you did, but I was never like, she can get out of this. This will have a happy ending. I never felt that way. She tries so hard, though. She does. She tries oh, the letter. Like, she's a smart prisoner. She has a, a great plan to sneak a letter out and, you know. Oh, but guess who's, a, guess who's a little bit smarter? Terrence Stamp. Every time. <laughs> and, you, and every time you get the feeling, he takes such pride in outsmarting her because she is educated and he is not. Mm -hmm. But he's, he, he's, all he's ever done is, like, think about doing this. He's spent so much time. Like, the reason, at the beginning of the movie, you find out the reason he bought this house is basically to kidnap her. Exactly. And so he's been, everything in his life is leading up to this. So he's thought it out. He has thought everything out. Um, it's down to, I don't, there, there are occasions, though, where, I don't know, I mean, he could have had a bath and, you know, downstairs. That would have made things easier. But he wanted to bring her, he wanted to, I think part of him really did think that after a certain amount of time, she would just be like, okay, I'll live here. Yeah. yeah, let's just do this. Yeah, and it just, and, and she tries that. And, you know, there's, it's this sense of, um, I guess that, is it low self-esteem that is so low that, no matter what, he is never going to feel good enough for her. Mm -hmm. And so as much as the entire film, she's telling him, well, you're not good enough for me. You're not, you can't kidnap someone to make them love you. When she tries to say, you are, I will, I, I love you. Yes, let's do this. He, he knows, no, you don't really love me. Why would you love me? I'm, I'm, a t I'm a boring, stupid man who could only get here by kidnapping you. You don't love mm -hmm. me. It's, I mean, he is a sociopath. Uh, but such an interesting one, I think. Mm -hmm. And the whole run of the movie, I kept thinking, this has nothing to do with her. It's not about her. It has nothing to do with her. And I feel like not. I'm not going to spoil anything. But, but the end, the end, basically, it. yeah, it, yes. it it tells you as so much. It says it was never about her. Yep. So I thought that was Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. Um, I think there's a whole lot of uh, another. The the collector is a, a double entendre if you will oh yes he obviously is collecting her uh and he is also a butterfly collector i thought that was a tiny bit heavy-handed it's a little bit because there is a moment where he's showing her his collection and she's like you're collecting me too yeah <laughs> i didn't need to be told that yeah, like i got, got it metaphor, it was clear but what i like about it is and i don't know um your dvd i'm assuming it must be the same one as me because i think the dvd is shamefully bare of any special details. oh yeah absolutely the, it just goes right to a menu screen and just yeah. kind of sits well, there it does have an interactive menu yeah it, like butterflies <laughs> it, is, it is it's like pretty butterflies like a Spe butterfly. special features yes butterflies interactive menu <laughs> theatrical trailer um the but the the whole butterflyness and the cover is essentially just a big moth on a face. Yeah. Um, I see. I don't. What sounds of the lambs? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, is that what we're getting going for? Um, yeah. I think that I don't think the synopsis. I don't think the cover of the DVD. I don't think anything does it justice because it's 
uh, spoiler alert to what I'm going to say soon. I thought it was fucking fantastic. I'm I'm glad you did. Like like crazy good. Like people need to see this movie. And and nobody has for some reason. It's and I don't know if it was maybe I mean it was fairly controversial when it came out, but it was respected enough. I mean, you know, it was Academy Award nominated for a few things. Uh, I think it has a really good score. It's a little heavy-handed oh. at times, but that fits it, kind of the style. Especially at the at the at the beginning, it was almost like I I, I thought to myself at one point, <laughs> like I don't even need to look at the screen. The music is telling me exactly how I should feel at every single moment. Like I can just listen to it and know if something like surprising happened or something right, right. fun happened. It's the guy who did um, Maurice Jarre. I don't know if that's how you say his name. I don't know. Um, he also did the music to Ghost and Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, fun! So, and he okay. did like he did like ten films a year from nineteen forty to nineteen eighty, apparently. Um, it's not bad. It definitely does. It it's doesn't it's take... of its time. It's the music is very of its time, and occasionally I think it's really effective, and occasionally it's a little much. Yeah, but it I... does. It doesn't ruin any moments. Yeah, no. right? yeah. Um, I don't understand why this film isn't better known or more discussed. It should have like a Criterion. Exactly. It is a perfect nominee for Criterion Collection. Because of its important, just because of the fact that I feel like this is a movie that you could do a featurette just of 20 minutes of different writers and directors talking about how they saw it and it influenced them in one way or another. Because mm -hmm. it had to influence Thomas Harris. It had to, there's any movie, like you said, any soap opera that ever had the woman kidnapped by a madman. It, yeah. It's, and because it's not just that story, because obviously that story has probably been around longer than this movie, but it is the style and the the details of the obsession and the, the, the yeah the the way it's handled mm -hmm. yeah um, and this the uh, unfortunate history of this film <laughs> is that it also um, not surprisingly has not kind of come up a lot in discussion and maybe this is why it's not always talked about is several, like, real-life serial killers have cited this film and book as inspiration. Mm. Um, which, you know, is, isn't so good. But there have been, like, at least three serial killers who have either been in possession of the book at the time of being arrested or, you know, have cited certain details of it. And, you know, that always sucks, but it's not the movies. No, it's absolutely it's not. terrible. Um, apparently even Misery, which I haven't read Misery, I've seen the film, one of the chapter quotes is a quote from this film. Huh. Which is pretty cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah. So Stephen King has seen it. No, I, I feel like it, it does inspire, too, because I felt very inspired by it. I'm like, this is such a sim... It's like, the thing is, it's such a simple construct right, right. that... And it's so well executed mm -hmm. that how can you not be like, this is everything that this genre should be? Yeah. I, I, that's how I felt, at least. Yeah. And I could see it making a perfect play. A perfect two-man play. Mm-hmm. Um, so do we have anything else or are we about ready to wrap up on the class? I think we're ready to wrap up. You mentioned, I think, everything I wanted to hit on. Oh, just she is an artist and her art oh, yeah. is very telling and very mm -hmm. interesting. And it always is lingering in the background. And I really, really enjoyed that. That's a good point. I, forgot I really, I really visually, because this is, this is an attractive movie, but it's a very bare movie because right, they're pretty much in the same area. It's a setting movie for the most part. Yeah. But she she has there's this this pi this picture that she's drawn of of him basically carrying a tray, which is yeah. how he, how he enters her room is 
carrying a tray basically every time we see him and it's on the door where he will enter and it's always in the background this always this and i this like shadow basically of this person who's keeping her there i thought i, I really like that a lot it's a good point because when you have artists in movies it, like i'm just the first thing that popped into my mind was the nightmare on elm street remake <laughs> where it's like nancy's an artist and you look at her drawings and it's kind of like i gave my cat a paintbrush Yes, and, like, this is very. This is actually what an art student might do if she was trapped somewhere. Yeah, like it's all sketches and yeah. it's very expressionistic. And you're right, it really feeds into the look of the film, and it does. It says a lot about her character. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, let me see what I feel like I had one other thing. There's, I mean, this isn't a very violent film. No. But the like final act. There's a very combative. Uh, sequence between the two of them that is filmed suddenly in a kind of different way that I found yes. really effective. You, you got it too, right? I, I enjoyed that quite All a bit. Yeah, it's I a almost little shaky. That. It's a different yeah. angle, and it yeah, it's, it's very like at ground level. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. suddenly it's as much as this is such a restrained film compared to <laughs> I'm just a junkyard dog, which <laughs> is a similar story of a dude kidnapping a woman and putting her downstairs in a really mm -hmm. super secret lair, um, and it's, you know, in this film, you don't have the character raping her and then making him cook human food of the girl that he did this to last month, like he did in Junkyard Dog. Um, in this movie, it's just the, the fact that they are civil to each other because of convention and timing, and that's the way they both are as people. So then when it turns into something physical, it's, it's really unnerving. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just ultimately, I think it's a really sad film. Yes. Just and I mean Samantha Egger is heartbreaking in it, and I, I think she, to me I think Terrence Stamp is, is great in it, but I really think Samantha Egger she earns that Oscar nomination I think in this one. Yep, yep, I agree. All I right. thought it was I thought it was great. So would you like to um, give it your your marks? All right, for um, as a general film, um, I think I'm the between the performances and and everything. Um, I'm going to give it, on the high end, because I think this is a good film, and I'm going to give it an 8.25. Mm -hmm. Would you like me to go, or do you want to give your, like your to second, grade? And then I okay. give my second grade? Okay. Well, as, like, a film, I, I'm going to give it an 8. Okay. And the only reason it's I'm not doing an 8.5, which is kind of what I want to do, is I, I think... The and it's probably just because of the time. I think some mm. in some places the pacing is going to throw sure. people off. I can see that. But for me, I was fine with it. I've watched a lot slower, more plodding films. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, and that's why that actually feeds into my level of enjoyment grade. For me, it's probably a seven point seven five. Really? Because it, it does drag, and it is I think riveting. But it also, you know, it's it's not an easy film to revisit because it it takes its time. It's not a casual film. Um, I mean, I recommend the heck out of it. And 7.75 is a very high grade for enjoyment. But I definitely think this is a better film than it is a movie that I want to sit down and watch. Oh, that's so funny because I feel exactly the opposite. My, my level of enjoyment grade is a 9. Wow. Um, I am going to buy this. I would like to watch it again immediately. Nice. I can't recommend it highly enough and i thank you very much for I, I, for welcome, picking this even more because 
Like I, I, I dug the shit out of this. Like it, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's an eight. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I, it like construct wise, writing, directing, acting. It's a great movie, but personally it spoke to me. I really liked it. It's all because of that time you were kept in a cellar for four weeks, isn't it? Yeah. I got out though. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had, no, no, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's good. Everybody should see it. Everybody should, yeah. And check out the book, too. The book I... I yes, I would like to. a good companion to it. Uh, wonderful. Um, I think I'm going to... We're going to take a quick break. What that means for you as audience members is probably nothing. Like nothing. Because I probably won't figure out by the time I put this together how to put music in. Um, so sing a song to yourselves, and we will be right back. We are back to talk about a little film. It's called Body Double. A little film with a lot of boobs. I guess, yeah. I never really thought about it like that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> Body Double. Christine, why did you pick the movie Body Double? I picked the movie Body Double because it is one of my favorite Brian De Palma's, which sounds weird, yes. I mean, and uh, I mean, but when I say one of my favorite De Palma's, I mean like, like one of my you seven or eight favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I, I personally really enjoy this one. Um, I, I wrote an article about it for, uh, an older issue of Paris Cinema. I don't remember which one it is, but I'm pretty sure. Figure out which one because now I can actually read it because now I, yeah, it might be in the, it might be in the women's issue. That might be right. Um, but it basically, the whole, um, point of the article was, you know, body double, Hitchcock ripoff or loving homage. Mm-hmm. And I fell on the side of homage. Um, I truly feel that if Hitchcock was able to make films into the 80s, he would have been making things exactly like this. I can see that. I can see that. That, that is my, that is what I believe. So that is, I think, why I like this film so much. Okay. So. Um, so. Would you like to know what the movie's about? Yeah. What's it about? Well, there is this actor named Jake Scully or something. <laughs> Jake something. Right. Named Jake. Uh, and he has played by... The dude from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, or the annoying guy in Ghost Story, who takes all the attention away from the cool old guy, but whatever. Uh, so Jake is a struggling actor uh, who happens to have this inconvenient phobia of claustrophobia. Um, Jake, uh, after walking in on his girlfriend Barbara Crampton. Yup, for like four seconds. Four seconds of her boobs. Yup. Uh, very young and adorable, too. They're very cute, yes. I always like Barbara Crampton. I love her. Yeah, she is just just adorable. Um, and so after walking in on his girlfriend, uh, having fun with another man, he um, kind of goes goes to the bar, starts drinking again, goes to an audition, starts talking about how he needs the place to stay, and conveniently meets this other struggling actor who seems wealthier because he wears a scarf. 
uh, who happens to have some luck house-sitting for one of his rich friends who lives in this giant, what I call a space-time bachelor pad. Yeah, it looks it's, like the, the thing that Sideshow Bob lives in in The Simpsons. Is it Sideshow Bob his... or Troy McClure? Troy McClure. No, Troy McClure lives yeah. under the ocean, though. Under the ocean, right? Uh, Isn't he in the, no, is it, no. is in the water? Oh, I can't remember now. God, now I'm confused. Just pretend I never said anything. Okay, so it's like kind of like the giant space needle thing in Seattle, yeah. um, where he gets this nice panoramic view of Los Angeles. And he, his... His friend shows him, oh, hey, look, I got a telescope set up where this chick does this really elaborate masturbation routine every night at eight. Which must be tiring for her. Right. I mean, it's like without fail. Every night the clock strikes and then she does this dance. She puts on her her garters and it just keeps going on. Um, So he starts watching it and gets starts to become very obsessed with this woman who uh, seems to have an abusive husband, maybe. So, because he's an unemployed actor, he starts following her, because what else are you going to do with your day? Uh, Saves her, or he notices there's this kind of crazy, really um, unattractive, uh, monstrous Native American-looking man. He is, I believe, called the Indian. He's called the Indian. I I said to my boyfriend while watching it, I didn't know Mickey Rourke was in this film. (laughs) Because he kind of looks like what Mickey Rourke might look like if he was in Body Double, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so this man tries to rob the woman. He sort of saves her purse, but kind of not really. Uh, they kiss. It's weird. He then uh, goes home again and watches her through his telescope because, I mean, because he's watching porn and that bores him, so instead he watches this, uh, where he notices that somebody's gonna somebody's coming in and there might be a murder that's about to happen. Um, there is a murder. And what follows is him them trying to piece together things uh, with the help of a plucky young porn star named Holly Body, played by a young Melanie Griffith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes uh, gets more and more uh, spoilered at that point. Yes. This, unlike um, The Collector, this is a very complex film that has many things going on. Many things. And so it is kind of hard to synopsize, especially without spoiling. It, it is. And this is one... Now, I haven't seen Dress to Kill, but I know the twist, which is yes. kind of a shame. And it makes it, you know, it's, it's hard to watch a film when you know the twist. Mm-hmm. And with Body Double, I knew it would have twists, um, but I didn't know them. This twists more than once, too. It, it does. So. It definitely does. And watching it, I knew there were twists, and I knew throughout it not to trust things, but I was deceived. Because I, I didn't figure out the ending. I figured out, I, I won't say I figured out anything. I'm not that smart. Um, I knew certain things not to trust and certain people and sites I saw that probably weren't what I thought they were, but I thought I had a theory that was just completely a different direction than what the ending was. And Ooh, I liked really? the so much better than what my theory was, which was just based on movies I've seen now where it always ends with this being the explanation. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm glad they got you. They did, yeah. And as soon as it was revealed, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I get it all. But it, it did keep me, because I was so, because the thing that was, what I, what I loved about it um, was it's so engaging and entertaining that I'm not trying to solve the story. I'm just enjoying it. Good. Um, and it's funny, because I'm not the biggest mystery fan. 
it's funny that I watched this movie the same week that I read my first like real mystery novel. I read um, and then there were none or ten little Indians. Ooh, very or, I, one of my favorites. Oh, and it was amazing. And I never, I really haven't read many mysteries. And I, I my my boyfriend had that one in the bookcase. I'm like, eh, let me read this one. And I loved it. And what I loved again was I never tried to figure it out because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to get it. I know there's going to be some really convoluted twist. And I, I, I am not smart enough to have seen all these things mm-hmm. coming. Why, why but, even bother? Just exactly. go along for the ride. But it's fine because it's written so well that I don't care. I'm just enjoying it. And that's how I felt about this movie. I'm not going to, I don't know what's real. I don't know who's bad, who's good. But I am just entertained because, oh my God, there's Brink Stevens uh, in a porn scene. So how spoilery should we be getting with this? Um, I think we can, uh, let's not do the big reveal, but I think- we Like can, the end reveal? Let's not do the end reveal. Okay, the end reveal we're not doing, but, um, we can talk about Melanie Griffith, yes? Well, yeah, let, let's talk to right about, yeah, yeah, we have to. Um, we can, okay, because that happens kind of in the, in the middle it, of the film. It is in the middle, because I was watching this, I was like, okay, Melanie Griffith is third build, and I know, you know, this is a horror movie, but you don't, she doesn't come on screen until, it might have even been an hour into the movie. Before I know, it's her. it's quite a while before you it see her. It's a long time. And for a while I was like, wait, am I crazy? Like, was the other chick just Melanie Griffith with, um, like, like contacts and everything else? And that's like, oh, no, okay, there she yeah, is. See, and the more you talk about this, I just, like, want to start screaming Hitchcock things, but I'm going to try to... <laughs> I'm going to try to dial well, it back. The funny thing, too, was I had never... I only watched Rear Window maybe about three weeks ago for the first time ever. I'd never seen it. And I'm really glad I saw that because everybody has said, oh, this is very much a retelling of... Not retelling, but very Rear Window homage But it's also very Vertigo. It's Vertigo. It, I'm, it's, it's probably I'm so glad. Vertigo. I feel like people who say Rear Window just don't take the time to look right. for the other things. I mean... Have a 360 degree camera pan of a kiss for about yep. 90 seconds. That's where yep. That's when, J- yeah. Jake's claustrophobia is, is, is vertigo. Oh, oh, totally. Totally. And you know, the, the, the switch, I mean, there's a switch. We have one female that he is pursuing for the first De- hour. Deborah Shelton is our brunette. Is our brunette. And then, and then get to Melanie Griffith, our blonde. Was our blonde. It's reversed because we have the kind of good girl being the brunette in this case and the, the bad girl being the blonde. Um, but it's, I mean, that completely is vertigo. The, the funny thing, the DVD has, um, a couple of featurettes that, I mean, you own this, I imagine. Yeah. Is, I don't know if you have the same copy that I have, or I mean, I rented it from, from my public library, everybody. Uh, it has just four featurettes and they're actually really good because it's, it's discussions with Melanie Griffith and Brian mm-hmm. Tom, I'm pretty sh- other I'm pretty sure, yeah, that's the same one I have. And now I had assumed that Melanie Griffith was cast because she's Tippi Hedren's daughter. That's what I assume. Because, again, it's such a Hitchcock homage that it makes sense that you have this bloodline connection to Hitchcock with Melanie Griffith. But it, uh, at least according to what you get from the features, mm-hmm. it was just that they were friends. He was having a really hard time casting the part. And she kind yeah. of, like, really asked to try out for it. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, but it just seems so perfect that she was a Hitchcock, you know, uh, granddaughter in some ways. Mm-hmm. And and she's really, really good in it. If she I is. Think, I think she's really good. We, we watched Parenthood a few days ago, and Parenthood is one of my favorite movies of all time. And what's amazing about it is Keanu Reeves in that movie is amazing. And he's amazing. He's playing Ted from Bill and Ted's. <laughs> and you get the feeling that you're like, wow, if Keanu Reeves made his, like, only played that role, he would be one of the best actors working today. 
And I kind of feel like that with Melanie Griffith. When she's cast right in this very particular role, she's great. She does yeah. not have range. She's not a very versatile actress, but she's but great in this part. In this, she she really, she's funny. Like, she, she yeah. She she hits when she's supposed to hit, and I think I think and I I think that I think Brian De Palma directs that really well because he does that with Nancy Allen a lot too. True. Like he he gets some really good like kind of naive like what cracks out of her a lot that that might be unintentionally funny, but she nails every right. time. Right. Yeah, you get the feeling. What's funny too when watching the feature, Brian De Palma comes off as such a nice like affable affable guy. Um, where, based on his films and kind of like, uh, did you read the book Shock Value that was kind of circulating no. around? Okay, um, there was a, there was a good book kind of about a lot of current or kind of seventies eighties uh, horror directors, and they they go into his backstory. And Brian De Palma had an interesting life, and you can see a lot of his childhood in his movies. And mm-hmm. where, and you know this better than me because you, I really haven't seen that much De Palma, but even of the the five or so films I've seen. I feel like I have some insight into who he is and what yeah. makes him. Exactly. At least, at least what he is fascinated with, because the same themes are prevalent right. pretty much yeah, throughout which, his filmography. Know, which, which happens with a lot of directors. And yeah. when, you know, the good ones can do that and keep doing it in a different way. Exactly. And I, I think he does. I mean, based not, again, I haven't seen enough to really say that overall, but... Uh, you know, I, I think that's there. I mean, and, and, and it just so, I and I don't think he's intentionally stealing from Hitchcock. I just think that what they do well and what they continue to do is similar. Like the um, dealing with duality, um, oh, yeah. you know, voyeurism. They just both happen to do things like that really well. Because, I mean, if you look at something as early as um, Phantom of the Paradise for De Palma, it's, it's the whole movie is duality. It's, you know. Right. It's Winslow and then the Phantom. It's, you know, it, it, yeah. So I think that. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you said rip off our homage. It's, it is an homage. It, I, I believe it to I, be because it's its own it, movie. Right. When it came out, it was not well received by most no. people. And you could see why just because it comes out and it seems like just kind of a flashy, sexy. Like, this is exactly. It's an exploitative mm-hmm. um, rear window. That's what people right. viewed it as. And it's, I mean, it kind of is, but not in a, but in a really smart and clever and entertaining way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the kind of movie that feels like everybody was given their all, was kind of having fun with it. Yeah. Which I love. Uh, we have, um, I mean, there's a music video sequence. Which I don't 100% understand. I probably have seen this five times now, and I don't really get that. Well, like, are they filming? Are music, they filming a music video I, inside a porn? Well, like, I don't. Apparently, they had done that for MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, but then MTV was like, "Wait, no, we can't." Like, no, guys, this isn't. We have teenagers watching this. And then, like, I don't know if that was when Brian De Palma was like, "Well, I have this footage. Let me just put it smack in the middle of my." It's movie. awesome. It is I love awesome. it. But I just, I guess, I just don't understand what because because at this point. For anybody who hasn't seen this, Jake is Jake needs to go find um, Holly. Yeah. Holly Body is is the porn star Melanie Griffith because he he finally realizes that Gloria Ravel, who's played by Deborah Shelton, who was in Hunk. If everybody everybody needs to go see Hunk because she's great in that too. Um, it's it's a good movie. It's funny. Um, she like she finds. Um, 
it's 80s clever and okay. just it's stupid it, I, but I think it's great I think um there's there's some people out there I know really enjoy it too but it's it's ridiculous um but so Jake has to go find Holly the the porn star because he realizes this the the masturbatory girl was never Gloria Ravel was never who he thought it was that's that's a big reveal but it's I mean you find it out halfway through because you have to then get to to the other woman. He has to go seek out Holly, and so he goes. I, he goes and auditions <laughs> to be like a porn guy, and, gets and then the job really and easily. gets the job really easily. He could and be cast in like a um, community repertory Hamlet, but he gets cast as like jerk. And and then I guess he, but then that's just I just don't understand what happens there because like the camera's following him around and you see the camera, so you know this is being, you know it's you being filmed. First, no, not at first, I think. I think not at first, you do. Like, he walks out and all of a sudden it's um whatever the band is, I forget the band's name. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Frankie goes to Hollywood. It's just there singing, singing and there's a masquerade. There's a dude dressed like Gene Simmons, and they're just like walking him around. And then, like, once you kind of walk into the like, bathroom, what is this? yeah, you see the camera. And then there's Holly. And then he has sex with her, but they don't seem to film it. And then there's still come shots. So it's very, no, it's very confusing for everybody involved. So so I'm to believe, I guess, that that is, they are filming a pornographic film that just happens to have a music video inside it. I mean, the good ones do. So I'm okay with it. I just, sure. the few, first few times I was like, wait, I don't understand what I just watched. Like, I like it, but I don't understand. I, I don't get it, but I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, so he is immediately a porn star. Um, but that's not really what he's what he's doing there. He's, right, trying to get information. Um, and so then, you know, from there on, it gets a little more get hard to tread there because we get into the slow reveals of, of what, in fact, was going yeah. on and is going on and... And the reveals are so slow that you think it's done revealing, and then it actually reveals again. Yep, yep. So you kind of can't, you know, yeah. Yeah, and then just even let, over let the it. end credits, there's a little something that isn't a reveal, but is just <laughs> almost like a footnote of, in case you didn't get something, here, let's let's, let's give you yeah. this. And boom. This, this, this whole movie is about being misled. You are misled yeah. from the jump. The film opens on the filming of another film. So you think you're watching the movie, but you're not. You're watching... Can we just say on an awesome film? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What was it called? Was it Vampire's it Kiss? Vampire's Kiss, the Nicolas okay. Cage movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually, but it's it's Craig Wasson wearing a like leather vest with all Billy the Idol. cutouts. With Billy Idol cutouts and yeah. glitter eyeshadow. And it's directed by Dennis Franz. Yep. Dennis Dennis Franz, um, De Palma regular. Mm -hmm. He will, he will come back and well, be just as awesome. Dennis Franz uh, based his entire performance and wardrobe in this film on Brian De Palma. Which makes it even better if, if, you, if you watch it like that. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. So um, this this whole movie, it's it, they go out of their way to deceive you. So it just continuously happens. So you just go with it and let yourself be deceived. And because it's fun. This is a really fun movie. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's beautiful, too. It is, I, and it's it's very. Um, now I have no real experience with Los Angeles. I've just I've been mm -hmm. there once. I've I, I don't know the city, and this movie has a, a really great time showing you the city and making you feel L.A. and this is where the people go and this is what their houses look like and 
I, I really like that aspect of it too. I'm glad this movie was set where it was. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite scene in this film is in the mall. Um, there is a point where Jake is in his full stock mode where he follows Gloria to the mall because the Indian is following her. Um, and it's basically a very silent cat and mouse through the mall. Um, and it's beautiful and it's filmed in these wide shots. So you see the levels of the mall and you see how grand this mall is. It's amazing. And that's very Hitchcock too. There's, um, there's a scene in, uh, why can't I think of it? Family plot that it reminds me of where she's walking through a great, a woman's walking through a graveyard and it's filmed from way up high. So you can see her maneuvering through the stones. It reminds me of that a lot. Okay. But, um, I, I, I just, I just thought like he, he picked the best locations yeah. for some of these shots. Well, because every, everywhere he goes, it's very sparse because you have this mall that's a very high end mall. So there's kind of no one in there. Exactly. And you have this beach, this big beach scene with a tunnel. That, and again, they're the only like three people there. Yeah, or it feels that, like they're the only people there. That whole beach scene is amazing too, because the hotel that that's on the, that beach is like all it's outside multi-level. So it's these huge, long shots of this big hotel and he utilizes every level it's really interesting yeah as far as like his sense of place in this movie is mm -hmm. is very different i think and and honed very carefully i had a little bit of beef in the mall because she walks into a lingerie shop and oh emily i'm so no i when i was watching i rewatched this you know what i'm gonna say Dylan, and i said i cannot wait to talk to emily about this and he's like why i don't understand i said i need to talk to a woman about this uh -huh. because do not go, I don't care what store, how high end no. it is, what year it is. I don't care if it's 1984. They you do not, not going to you do not put on underwear. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean she buys it. Okay, go into a Target where they have, um, uh, where the, the dressing rooms are male and female, and you'll see a sign on every door saying if you're trying on bathing suits, you Leave put your on underwear. over your underwear. You do not try on underwear. My God, think about that. It was ridiculous. And I said, why couldn't she have just tried on a bra? Like, you don't need to, you mean, you didn't, yeah. you didn't see anything when she tried on the underwear. I mean, you could have done it so you wouldn't have seen, she could have turned her back to right. just clasp the bra. It wouldn't have been a big deal, but it just made, it would have made more sense than the underwear. Well, maybe, you know, here's why. Because a bra would probably have underwire, and that would be harder for him to then put in his pocket. That's true. Because she, 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 she buys that. the underwear and then throws it away, and then he takes it. Which is weird for both of them, because these were not cheap just, underwear. And I get that yeah. he has money, but why buy them? And then just throw them away. Right, right. Um, there's also, I had another, like, really an odd beef that I know was just me overthinking it. But so he's house-sitting for, uh, you know, the friend with the scarf shows him this gorgeously weird um, bachelor pad apartment. And he's like, all you gotta do is water the plants, water them every day after six. Uh, hello, there's a fish tank there. Does he not have to feed the fish? No, you, you, if you, when you watch it again, you see how deliberate those scenes are. Okay. You, you have to water the plants after six, so he'll be by the windows. Ah, that makes perfect sense. But it's, what about the fish? The fish are still going to die the if fish, he feed them. He, no one cares if the fish dies. The, it's, the fish this, it is, it is painstakingly set up. I still watch it now, and I notice things that I'm like, oh, that's why he said that. And it makes complete sense because um, Sam, good friend Sam, the guy who scarf. facilitates scarf. this scarf, is um, Greg Henry, who, if you don't know his name, you definitely know his face. You know, he, like he did 
didn't look familiar in the movie, but then on the features, which must have been done like a couple of years ago, where he's older. You, he you know, you like, looking at him, him now, I'm like, oh, I, and I don't know what he's what I've seen him in, but I know. I've seen oh, him he has he has 148 credits. Damn. He has done so much television. Um, still, like now, he's doing television. Burn Notice, Hung, NCIS, um, CSI Miami, Grey's Anatomy, uh, and- Glee. Well, oh, no, who is he on Glee? Um, trying to get my Russell Fabre. He was. Oh my God, he was Quinn Fabre's mother. He was. Want to know something really funny? Then on the show, he was. That means that his character was married to Charlotte Ross from Days of Our Lives, who um, was naked in Ghost. Not Ghost Rider. Um, the The Drive Angry. Oh, the okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They played husband yep. and wife. Uh, the most important question, though, my dear Christine, was he on Law and Order SVU at any point? Probably. He did, he was in an episode of Dollhouse and he was um, in Firefly. That's why I immediately recognize him, but I don't think so. I don't see any SVU. But Gilmore Girls, so I know you're into that. I never, I didn't watch Gilmore Girls. Oh, that's not your thing? It must be Dylan, I'm sorry, thinking sorry. of. Sorry, what self-respecting uh, actor wh- who does a lot of TV was never on an episode of Law and Order? I don't see it. I see Chicago he, Hope. He I see ER. Order. No, not even regular Law and Order. I don't believe this man exists no but i mean it's it's shocking considering i mean 24 like any other television show you are trying to avoid being on that show for whatever reason and he he's been in other De Palma as well um not as as um central to the story um i know black dahlia i can't think of the other what else um that's gonna kill me i'm gonna have to say in the the movie didn't find him so attractive in the features, he's aged well. He's more attractive now. He has definitely aged well. And I think part of it is is, is because in, in this film, he's supposed to be smarmy and unlikable, and it totally True. works. It's also the blonde thing. I think a lot of blonde men look better when they get older. Yeah, I don't really like, like blonde Brad, people. Brad Sorry, <laughs> listeners, I don't like blonde. <laughs> if you're blonde, I don't like you. <laughs> Just kidding. Unless you're Melanie Griffith. Oh, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> um, the uh, We got to make a point that there is a mesh t-shirt in this movie. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. a lovely mesh t-shirt. The uh, the Mickey Rourke Indian has quite the wardrobe, ladies. Yeah, he he's really showing off for the for the ladies in the audience. You got to at first. I thought he had. I thought he was wearing just like a leather a vest without a shirt underneath, and then, and I thought he just was really hairy, and then I realized no, it was mesh. Mm-hmm. So he's got mesh t-shirt. It's a good look. Ponytail. Just, I mean, ladies, he's queuing up. I mean. Yeah, Craig Wasson does not take his clothes off, unlike in Ghost Story, where he does. Um, but so, but if you have a thing for Indians in Mesh, then this is the movie for you. For for you, um, yes, definitely. Um, yeah, that that character is bizarre, but it works. So oh, just just yeah. just roll with it. Go with it. Go with it. It will pay off. I promise. Um, there are assless chaps. Yes, there are. There are. And I was really excited to see, I uh, to be see, to spot out uh, Bryn Stevens in this. You know who Bryn Stevens is? Yeah, but I didn't see. She's, she's purely one of the women kissing another woman's boobs at some point during the montage of porn. Oh, really? I didn't notice. I really tried to pay attention this time, too, to see if I recognized anyone. Because I, 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 I guess based on the interviews that Brian De Palma, like, really did his research with porn. And interviewed a lot of ladies, and like really spent time in the industry trying to kind of get a feel for how, how like what the industry is like. And how oh yeah, there she is, girl number three in bathroom. Three. And I'm watching, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I think that was Brink Stevens. And then 
because you you watch the credits because there's stuff with the credits. Mm-hmm. Her name came up, and I was and I high five myself. I was happy for that because the thing about Bernstein Stevens is she has a fantastic voice. She had has this like sexy gravelly voice mm-hmm. that as soon as she speaks, you know who she is. And in this movie, she doesn't speak, but I was proud of myself for it. You you picked her out. Mm-hmm. There yeah. you go. So go Good me. Go me. Um, this movie does end on a, sh- a close up of boobs. So for our listeners who are like, but I still don't know if I want to see it. It it, clo- it ends on a close up of boobs, but it, like it's perfect bookend for the movie. Like oh, again, yeah. you're be you're just like, hey, we deceive you all the time. Welcome to movies. Yep. This all we do is lie to you. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a super fun movie. I'm glad I'm, I finally I'm saw it. I'm really glad you liked it because I think that this this can be a little bit difficult for people because of some of the style choices. Oh yeah, and it's it is a very I like anything Hitchcock and really like anything De Palma. It's a blatantly styled movie. Yeah, uh, it is not a movie that's not trying hard. It is trying very hard to do what it does, and I think what sells it for me is just the humor and the fact that it it's has fun. I think that just goes such a long way for me because if this was done in a really starkly serious manner, I know I would have been bored. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not it's it's really funny and also because even the um, kind of the the big murder scene <gasps> I can't believe we almost didn't talk I, about I that I know right there's a lot to talk about there uh, it's there's a lot of humor in it and you know we've got a, it's it's funny because I put a picture of like the driller scene on our Facebook page mm-hmm. and um, one of our listeners Michelle. Like, commented, like, totally Slumber Party Massacre. Because looking at it, you're like, oh my god, it's the poster from Slumber Party this, Massacre. That's right this there. this film is, like, five different movies. Like, yes. I, I think things happen, and I'm like, I, I completely forgot that this, because there's so many other things happening that it, it feels like so many different films all at once. Yeah. And and when when Gloria gets killed, it is with a gigantic drill. <laughs> but, and then <laughs> when, when we were watching... When we were watching it, Dylan was like, what a, what a strange murder weapon to choose. And I was like, well, he was trying to break into her safe. So, I mean, there is a reason why he has a gigantic drill, not but not still. Not big a drill. No, no, but still. <laughs> and it's, it's for me, and I, it's not exactly like it, but it's very much psycho to me because you never see the drill enter her. True. You see, you see the aftermath, which is quite gory. Which is totally why I also thought things didn't happen in that scene. Mm-hmm. Because of the way it's shot, and you also because you have uh, Craig Wasson running, <laughs> he like flags down these two joggers. He's like, "Come with me! Someone's getting murdered in there!" And he sprints, and they just keep jogging, but they eventually get to the house. Uh, and meanwhile, like he's getting attacked by a dog. And the way things are shot, I was like, "I don't think anything's happening right now. I don't think she's she's. I think because again, it's very deliberate what they show you and what what they don't show you." Mm-hmm. And even when police officers come in and are asking questions, I was still like, but we didn't see something. I don't know. Maybe this didn't happen. Like, I started to get very wrapped up in where is the red herring? It's got to be here. It's got to be here. And then I kind of was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just let the movie tell me where it is. I I, I really like that that murder scene quite a bit. It's very, very fun. And it's, of course, the drill is completely phallic. And that's why it's shot that way from behind with the drill coming from through from between his legs and you know going through her it's mm-hmm. it's amazing i love it and i'm sorry gloria had to die because i really do like her but it was good. 
It was fucking awesome. I'm trying to see if the dog is credited because I think they they said it in the featurette, and I'm not sure if I miss if it was the handler or the dog, but I think they said it was the same dog that, that was in White Dog, or one it of could, them. Because I'm, I'm sure. No, I don't. I don't, I don't see it credited. The, the actual dog, dog credited, credited on here. Oh, I hate when they don't do that. Um, but you know what? When you said that, that sounds kind of right. And so, if we did event had, if we've watched the same featurettes, then I probably heard that too. Yeah, I think I think it was, and it made, timing wise, it would make sense because White yeah. Dog is like what eighty, I think. Something so, around there, yeah. Dog was still probably it was in the industry. Yeah, and I I like I, I have to just skip over the dog because I I said something about the dog when we were watching it, uh, and then something about that dog comes into play later and it, it no matter, if I say anything about it it might spoil something. Yes. But yes. yeah. Think about the dog, won't you? I cuz I didn't. I forgot about the dog. Well, I well I just thought the dog was a really shitty dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean although he didn't like Craig Wasson and oh. you know, I I I'm, I Craig Wasson is fine in this movie just because he's playing he he's perfectly cast cuz he's he's kind of got to be the not that interesting, not that charming, just kind of their everyman guy. Which I mean, it's yes. a very Hitchcock hero, so it's perfect. Yeah. Um, I just I have a beef against Craig Wilson, not for it, not because of him, but because in Ghost Story, have you have you seen Ghost Story? No, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else ever. Uh, you have you've seen him in um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three? But I don't remember that. He's the the doctor. Yeah, I but I don't remember him being the doctor. He kind of looks like Bill Maher to me. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, he looks like a little bit more conventional of a Bill Maher. I would agree. Uh, See, here's the thing about Ghost Story. Let me pull up Ghost Story and tell you something about Ghost Story. Ghost Story, 1980 or 81, uh, a horror film starring Fred Astaire, John Houseman, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., and Melvin Douglas, and yet all the screen time goes to Craig Wilson. <laughs> and it's really frustrating because you have this like great cast of old dudes who would make a great horror movie, but instead the movie keeps going back to Craig Wasson's character, who is this, like, smarmy professor. And it's really frustrating, because there's a good movie buried under a really boring story. Uh, it's not his fault, but, you know, I just hold... Well, it, sound, it sounds like you're making it his fault. I, I'm really bad about holding grudges against people who haven't personally harmed me. I need to work on it. I know, it's a flaw. Rooney Mara. Rooney, Rooney Mara, don't get me started on it. Although I did watch an episode of Law and Order SVU yesterday that starred her sister as a gymnast who killed mm -hmm. a fellow gymnast. It was great. And I say that with no... It was, yeah. it was great. Like, genuinely. Like, like every episode of Law and Order SVU is. Um, so I guess that's everything I have to say about Body Double. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I could talk about it for probably three days, oh, but sure. we'll just... We'll just stop there. There are so many morals to the story, but I can't say any of them because they're all spoilers. I just, I just love it, and I'm glad that you, you like it, too. I, I, I did. I really enjoyed it. Probably the first thing I saw Melanie Griffith in that I really liked her in. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. I really like her in this, too. Mm -hmm. I, um, and I hope if people haven't seen it or if it's been a while since they've seen it, they'll give it another chance and just let it be its own thing. Because yeah, just sit, down, sit back and watch it. You, you obviously are going to notice Hitchcock parallels, but I think, it, I think it's really affectionate. I agree. And another interesting thing about the features is Brian De Palma seems like a very, um, uh, not insecure, but if, in a lot of the features, he there's so many moments where he kind of says, yeah, I don't think this part worked. I don't think the kiss worked. I don't think this worked. And he he's very, seems to be somebody who 
feels like he can always improve upon himself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the featurettes are, re- they're really worth delving into. There's four of them, and they're all pretty deep interviews with people involved with the film. So, recommend the extras as well. Yes, I agree. It's been a while since I looked at them, but I enjoy. I remember enjoying them. Yes, yes. And don't try on underwear when you go to a store. My God. They won't let you. Don't worry. You don't tell them that because no one will let them do it. Right. But you walked into the dressing room with the underwear. Oh, God. I don't want to talk about it. I know. It was disturbing. I knew it would bother you. It really did. (laughs) I know. I'm not a germaphobe person. I realize everything I touch, somebody might have rubbed on a body part. I get that. It's fine. But fucking underwear? Come on. Yeah, no. I know. I know. It's all right. Yeah. Okay, so I guess why don't you grade it first? Um, I will give this movie, and this might be surprising, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Huh, okay. <laughs> because I do not think it's perfect. Yeah. And I, I know I have a lot of affection for it, so it, that colors my view. And I know there's a lot of things in it that don't work. So seven seven point five yeah. is my... Is my, like, actual film rating. Yeah, I w- I'm going to go a, just probably a hair lower, because, I mean, also, I've only seen it the one time. Uh, I'm going to go 7.25 in terms of just mm-hmm. quality as a film. And then, like, how, you know, quality of life, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. It gets higher every time I see it. I I feel like at one point it was, like, an 8 and mm-hmm. 8.5. I, I, I give it a solid 8.5. Again, because it's not my favorite De Palma. I, because I watch this, and as much as I love it, I, I'm like, oh, well, I want to watch this, and I love that even more, you know? Yeah, I would actually, my, my enjoyment from this go-around was an 8.5 also. Awesome. Yeah, just because it, I mean, I just, I enjoyed watching it. And I, you know, eventually I'll go back and probably see more things wrong with it, or more things that work that I, because mm-hmm. this is certainly a film that will benefit, just because it has so many twists. You're definitely going to rewatch it and see, did all the pieces fit together and that will bump a grade up or down one way or another. But enjoyment-wise, yeah. on a first viewing, I just had a great time with it. So for me, solid 8.5. Awesome. Uh-huh. Well, we need to start seeing things that I don't like so I can stop giving such unbelievably high marks to it. Yeah, I I have a theory that that's not going to happen next week, but we'll find out. I don't think it's going to either. <laughs> um, so before we tell you what we're doing next week, uh, Netflix Instant recommends? Um, I have not been watching much on Netflix Instant, shockingly enough, but I will say... Everyone should watch Triple X. Really? <laughs> the, the Vin Diesel film. <laughs> and, and everybody should watch it, but when they watch it, they should be like, this is gonna be like James Bond for the X Games sect. I feel like it's, it's James Bond. It's a James Bond movie. Okay. I swear to you it is. And if, I, I, if anybody agrees, please reach out and tell me because I feel like there's, especially at the end, it's a James Bond movie. There's this crazy villain. There's the, there's the, you know, the girl, which is Asia Argento. Oh, nice. um, everybody should be watching Triple X. It's the most ridiculous movie, but it, when watched through the, the lens of a Bond film, it becomes something completely different. So that's my recommend. Now, because I have slowly been um, tipping my toes into the Bond oeuvre. I've, yeah, I, me too. I'm very, you know... Are you a newbie too? Yeah, I haven't seen much. I, I mean, I had never seen a film until a couple months ago. My, my boyfriend seen all of them and was kind of like, okay, well, where to start you with? Cause, and has so far chosen the ones that are, I guess, appealing to me. Um, like the, Which one would, the shark. Yes, with um, Yafikoto. Uh, is that the spy? No, no, no. Um, not not yet. That is that movie. Oh, uh, 
No, that's no, the transportation one. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite um, one. I think the spy who loved me loved the shark. Oh, see, I don't think... No, I don't. I haven't seen it then. Okay, one of them has a shark, and, like, the shark tank where the person gets dropped in the shark tank, and that made me happy. Maybe I'm thinking... I think in the one I'm thinking of, a shark blows up. Like, explodes. Are you sure that's a Bond film? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. No, the one with the outfit Coda was crazy. Okay, that's... Like, I it's, that's, um... What, I, what, the black exploitation one, I think. Yes, I can't... Why can't yeah. I remember anything? I'm awful. Well, I, I've decided I'm never going to know the names of the movies. No, me neither. I know, know I know the song. Oh, that's the Sean Connery one with where he rapes the lesbian. <laughs> like that's how I'm gonna know these. Um, so the oh, but my issue so far with every Bond film has kind of been like, as I get to the end, I end up getting a little sleepy because the finale is always like ten minutes too long. Yeah. Like, am I gonna have that problem in Triple X Bond? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say definitely. Um. It's not it's not great or even maybe good. It's just it's just weird that 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 seems to be what it was trying to be. Okay. Like a like a new bond for a new generation. Huh. I and agree. he even has a car with gadgets. A guy comes up to him and gives him a car with a bunch of gadgets in it. It's it's James Bond. It's a James Bond movie. Is the guy's <laughs> name like Z? I can't I can't remember. I I didn't come to this conclusion until halfway through and then I was like, "What else have I missed?" But I, somebody has to have written about this. Somebody has to have made this assertion before because it's just so blatant. What's his drink if it's not a martini? Is it like a rum and coke? Like a Red Bull? I don't I'm know. Not sure. Yeah. Wait. So I have all the movies up. Um, die another? No, no, die another. I don't know. It has like oh, View to a Kill. Is it Goldfinger? Is, I don't know. I've never seen that one. Which one's View to a Kill? I know I watched that one because it's got the Duran Duran. What? Oh, I haven't uh, seen that. Is that the two, no, is that the second, no, no. We're terrible. Welcome to We Don't Know Fun. I know the four movies I've seen so far, but clearly I don't actually know their titles. Okay, the one I've seen has um, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman looking smoking hot in it, and then the one with um, Grace Jones. Those are the ones I know I've seen, so. No, I've but seen what the, the one with Barbara Boucher, the one with um, Olivia and or Mariam Diabo. I always thought they were the same person, so I don't know one. I've seen opposite ones. Probably. I've seen one Timothy Dalton, one Roger Moore, one Sean Connery. I swear all of mine are Roger Moore. I really like Roger Moore, though. I, I don't have a preference yet. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like, like the shark. That's what I know. And I like Jaws. Guy with the teeth. <laughs> I thought you meant, like, the movie. Like, I now you're just cool. gonna I mean, name like, like, And I like cookies. <laughs> and I, like... <laughs> I also like uh, Walks on the Beach with Craig Wassall. Oh. Uh, okay, so my Netflix instant recommendation uh, is a little film that I had heard about. I think through, I'd seen it in Fangoria, I think, here and there. And then uh, Christina Acuna, our good friend, recommended it uh, because it has a lot of Clive Owen. And it's a movie called Intruders. <gasps> did you, oh, you liked it? I'm going to have to watch it. I did. It's okay, Is it um, scary? I it is not a traditional horror film. And it is not necessarily, it's, it has moments that are scary, but it is, um, I feel like I would be misselling it to someone if I said, this is a really scary movie. It's not, it's, it's kind of like a good, modern, scary fairy tale. Mm -hmm. It feels very fairy tale-ish in the way it's told. And it, cause it, it's probably not even rated R. It's probably a PG-13 film if it was rated, I don't know that it was. And it's the kind of film that would be great for, like, a 13-year-old girl who 
wants to watch a, a scary movie. But that being said, like, it's, it's good. And it is, it has scary moments. It has a really good setup. It has a good story. It has Clive Owen doing things. Like, Clive Owen dressed up like a Cl construction worker. Clive, Hello. Do, Clive Owen doing things. Sadly, Sold. All the review you need. That's not enough. I will maybe watch this tonight, to be honest with you. Because okay. I've been looking for an excuse to watch I, it, and I, I you just said it was good. Event I did. I don't want to... Because he... Don't go into it thinking you're watching a horror movie. Just go into it thinking you're watching kind of a... Oh, I don't know, like a... Oh, like a fairy tale ghost story, kind of. All right. And it's directed by the guy who did 28 Weeks Later, which... Oh, I, okay. I love 28 Weeks Later. And I do as well. Wonderful. It's about time to revisit that one. And for all the people screaming at their radio slash iPods slash computers, um, Live and Let Die is the film with uh, Yafet Kodo and Jane Seymour. <laughs> and the one with Grace Jones is A View to a Kill. So sorry that I have no memory and had to look that up. Uh, I have no memory and I'm too lazy to look things up right now. So. <laughs> because I do that. Sometimes I listen to podcasts and I'm like, it's this thing! Why don't you know? But I'm not very good with Bond. Yeah, well, it's like every, because every title is similar... It's licensed to view. Every, yeah. yeah. No, there's no way. Licensed <laughs> to view moon finger gold. They all kind of have the same words, just shuffled about. It's like how like what was the movie? Um, like to kill a mockingbird, a time to kill. I don't know why those are two different things. But they they are. But clearly, <laughs> a time to kill was titled in such a way to make you think of to kill a mockingbird. Really? Maybe it just was you. I think so maybe. They have like five of the same words in their title. There's just no mockingbirds words in the <laughs> I have theories. I stand behind them. Uh, should we talk? Now, oh, people sent us feedback. Thank you. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Do I have to read them? I know. I didn't know what you had. I, but I'll, I'll go and find out later. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the feedback. We will probably do like a show maybe like in two episodes once we are a little more comfortable with recording stuff where we kind of go over all the feedback. But the best way to give us feedback is truly on the Facebook page, a yeah, place that we are both at constantly. Yeah, very, and it's also then interactive. But thank you so much to the people who sent us feedback. It was all very encouraging, and nobody sent us death threats yet, although they might after the bomb thing. Um, but thank you. We will respond um, and probably do it on a show in a, a soon once we, you know, get our bearings down and such. Um, but in the meantime, uh, next week or ne in two weeks, whatever, whenever we're together. Whenever you hear our voices again. Uh, we've decided, what are we going, it's a, our first, like, special show. Yeah, we're doing a special show. Um, Emily and I have a lot of things in common, and one of them is that we really like Kira Knightley, and we do not understand why people don't. Seriously, like, people hate Kira Knightley. I Pe people hate Kira Knightley, and when I told somebody... Really skinny? I don't know. When I told somebody that we were going to be doing a Kira Knightley appreci appreciation show, they said, ugh, I hate Kira Knightley. I there you go. Get it. I know, and that's what I said. Like, I have several theories on why people hate her. We'll get into that next time. But I think what's interesting is the movies that we're going to be covering um, are is her at her best, which is kind of playing snotty. I know. And maybe that's why people don't like her, but she plays such a good snotty So well. Yeah. Honestly, and, and once you... you after, I'll actually go into this after you say your pick. Never mind. I digress. So okay, what, what so was so your pick? My pick is a movie that I've been dying to talk about for a long time. Because I think it is, despite being an Oscar-nominated film um, and being very well-received when it came out, I think for other reasons, it is one of the most underrated films because I think it is one of the best things that has come out of the last few years. I'm and so excited. Atonement. Woo! 
Woo! And that's our James McAvoy connection. And that's our James McAvoy appreciation. Um, I have not seen it. And fun story, it actually came to my house from Netflix and sat on my entertainment center for a month, and then I just sent it sent it back. I'm I'm a jerk. Um, my pick is uh, I struggle with this quite a bit. And you said she plays Snotty the best, but every movie I would have picked, she would have played Snotty. Um, <laughs> the film I am going to pick is a Never Let Me Go. Um, I struggle quite a bit with that because I don't want to do films that are both kind of bummers. Having never seen Atonement, I don't necessarily know that that's the case, but um, Never Let Me Go is kind of a bummer. Uh, just so everybody knows, I almost did pick The Jacket, starring one Adrian Brody. Um, but I didn't. Maybe some other time. Yeah, because I, 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 I knew that you did want to do let, Never Let Me Go. And I'm like, just, you know, do, do what your heart desires. And, so and, then, and then I said, if I thought, if we ever do a Carrie Mulligan appreciation show, which could very well happen, yeah. I wouldn't pick that. I would pick an education. Exactly. So I don't want to, I don't want to, we're doing it. We're doing Never Let Me Go in Atonement. Um, a funny connection, I just realized I read both of those books as well. Oh, well, look at you being all I'm smart. so nerdy. Oh, and I, did, I forgot to mention it. We had a weird, um, you know what another connection of the two films that we did were? They uh, were both Columbia Pictures. Oh, weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's our fun That was on purpose. We did that on purpose. And they were both available at my public library. So go use your libraries, folks. Exactly. This is a very long show, and I apologize. And thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, and I have to put it together. Um, I think by put it together, I mean I have to like drag one into GarageBand and then drag the other one into GarageBand and hope that magic happens. Um, okay, so yeah, eventually we'll get back to you with uh, Karen Knightley Appreciation. In the meantime, find us. We have a Facebook group, The Family yeah. Boutique. Um, it's buzzing. Come buzz with us. Yeah, come say hi. We are on Twitter, but our Twitter name is different, and it took me forever to figure out what that was. It's um the feminine pod, a feminine podcast. Um, because I couldn't fit all the words. I Eventually that might change because I kind of hate the way it shows up. Mm -hmm. But for now, it's, um, yeah, I'm going to go there. Oh, yeah. It's at Feminine Podcast. But if you search the Feminine Critique, it should come up because that's the full full name. Um, also on Twitter, you can find um, Emily at Deadly Dolls, mm -hmm. right? Yep, and I and I am um, at Para Xteen or Para Cinema. Because she's and a big Xteen Aguilera fan, of course. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Uh, and check out paracinema.net for yeah. magazines and other articles. Uh, and you can check out deadlydollshouse.com for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on, on, and on, on that note. On that note, don't stalk people. Don't build lairs. Don't kidnap. Don't kidnap, kidnap people. Don't spy on people. No, um, you can do that. And fucking feed the fish and do not try on underwear in a store. Life lessons, folks. All right. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.